Father, we do lift our voice to you and say glory. We want glory to your name. Lord, I thank you on this first Sunday of Advent that it's not only a time for us to prepare and to wait on you, but it's a time that we can hear you speaking to us in the waiting time. So, Lord, I ask that you will open our hearts, open our minds to not just hear you today, but, Lord, would you call us to your action. It's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Church, grab with me your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. I want to read a passage of Scripture that you've never heard before. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to the flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. As we read and hear the Christmas story one more time, I I don't know if this is uh, something that you hear and you think, I've just heard it over and over and over. Now kids, we just heard the story of the crippled lamb, and while this was a good story, We don't find Abigail and Josh's name in this real-life Christmas account. Uh, While this was from the sanctified imagination of Max Licato of what a sheep or a cow may be thinking at this time, we know that this very real story of the birth of Jesus that we find in Luke 2 has great significance for us. In fact, whether we have heard this once, twice, or over and over and over, I believe the Lord wants to breathe on this fresh and new for us again this morning. 
I remember as a child when I would hear the Christmas story, it felt like it went on for hours and hours and hours because at our house we had to read the Christmas story first before we could open up presents. And as I look at the Christmas story now, I think, well, what version did my pappy read from? Because it felt like it was 15 pages long. Because when you were waiting to dive into those gifts, to those presents, it was just something that kind of got in the way. Now, that wasn't the intent of grandma and grandpa. That wasn't the intent of mom and dad. But in my child's heart, I kind of had missed what this whole thing was about. And, and I'd missed some of the awe and wonder. I want us to look at Christmas being a time of wonder, not because you've never heard this story before, but maybe God wants to give us a new perspective on this Christmas story. The true wonder of Christmas is not in how long we have to wait to get our gifts. The true wonder in Christmas is not in what we give or or how cheap we're able to get the Christmas gifts, but the true wonder in Christmas can be found in this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who became man in the Christ child. It's the wonder of the incarnation of God becoming man. Christmas is a time of wonder. It's a time for us to stand in awe of God's miraculous love for us through Jesus. So I want to take the next couple of minutes, real briefly, to look at three aspects of wonder. The first is this, the wonder of God's method. How would you have delivered the greatest news the world had ever seen how would today hollywood depict this great news how would cnn or fox news give coverage of this birth of a king surely there would be some kind of awesome sound effects some kind of special effects some kind of great background or scenery that would be added to this to give emphasis to the importance of the situation but none of that happens that way as we read in luke 2 in fact God's ways are different not only from the world's ways, he's different from our ways. Hollywood would have missed it. I don't even know that they would have been that interested in it. But God delivered this great gift to us in almost silence in the stable. The setting was not Rome, the capital city or capital of the world at that time. Instead, it was an insignificant village. This king was born into obscurity. His nursery was a stable. His cradle was a feeding trough. It was so simple, nothing complicated about it. His method, God's method of giving this great news was very simple. We are the ones who always try to make things so elaborate, so complicated, so confusing. But God wants to keep life simple. The world tries to create Wonder at this time of year by lavish marketing and all kinds of hype and tinsel and fireworks and production and consumerism. But standing in stark contrast is God's simple manger scene. A world that has nothing of value desperately tries to protect an image of peace and joy. And God, who has everything, wraps his most cherished gift in profound simplicity. I love that thought from author Richard Foster. Here, the world tries to do everything to try to tell you you should have peace and and hold on to peace and joy, but yet God, who gives this peace and joy, is very simple and straightforward. The wonder of the method of simplicity needs to grip our hearts again. If anybody needs simplicity, it is us. What will set us free from, from the bondage of the complexity that we create for ourselves? How can I develop this kind of simplicity in my heart and my life? Well, first let me say that simplicity is anything but simplistic. And so to give just 
three things of rapid fire of how to have a simple life just doesn't quite work. But there's two truths that I want us to touch on that can talk about a lifestyle of simplicity that we can find from this wonder of the simple method at Christmas. Discovering the freedom and simplicity, we see first that we can start by saying no to the world. Simplicity means saying no to the voices that say, I need more, I need to get bigger stuff, I need newer stuff, I need better stuff. Our world system is diametrically opposed to this godly simplicity. And unless you are actively resisting it, you get sucked into all the things around you trying to tell you, you need more. Television, media of all kinds will tell you you need some of the most idiotic things to make you feel happy and make you feel sane. And and while you may gather those things, they don't bring the peace or the joy that they promise. If you really want to discover the wonder of simplicity, you have to consciously and consistently and aggressively say no to the call for bigger, better, more, and newer. It's time that we simplified our lives. There's two ways to get enough. One is to accumulate more and more, and the second is to desire less and less. If you want to recapture the wonder of simplicity, first say no to the world, and it will allow you to begin to say yes to God. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard observed, simplicity is to will one thing. And for us as Christ followers, that one thing is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Set your will this Christmas on trusting the Lord as your whole heart would feast on Him. Remember that God keeps it simple for us. He says, at this Advent, this first Sunday in Advent, as you are preparing for Christmas, as you're awaiting for Christmas, you could get in on the wonder of Christmas again and the wonder of the simple method in which He brought the Christ child to us. And could we say yes to God? And His simplicity is this. Trust and obey. He is simply saying this Christmas, you can have the best Christmas of your life if you would just trust and obey. His method is simple. His ask of us is very simple. The wonder of God's method is simplicity. Also the wonder of God's choice. You see, God chooses the ordinary. We saw that in the story of Abigail and Joshua. But while that was fiction, we see that all throughout the real-life narrative of the nativity scene. Now, the fact that God would choose any of us is a wonder to me at all. God doesn't need us. We are so failing. We are so imperfect. Why, we only mess up His perfect actions. But yet God has chosen to work through men and women, boys and girls. God didn't need anyone to bring this great gift to earth, but yet He chose to do it that way. And notice who he has chosen to present this great gift. He chose a young teenage girl from common stock named Mary to bear his gift. He chose an obscure carpenter named Joseph from a no-name town to nurture his gift. He chose a bunch of smelly, redneck shepherds to announce his gift. They were just plain, ordinary people. God doesn't always choose the most talented, the most sophisticated, the most popular to accomplish his purpose. He chooses the ordinary. God doesn't choose the way the world chooses. He doesn't choose the way that you and I would choose. He chose us. 
He chose you to have a relationship with him. In fact, he's saying, for all those who feel left out, I have a special place for you. Just like Abigail would say to Joshua, God the Father says that to us through his son, Jesus. He chose you out of his fondness, out of his mercy, out of his affection. He chose and he has loved you. And that makes all the difference in the world for you this Christmas. He chose you. Christmas is a time for wonder. Wonder of God's method of simplicity. Wonder of his choice of of us. And also, finally, the wonder of God's love. It's so different from the love that we can muster up or the love that we find in the world. And I I feel it. It's such a loss of words to adequately even talk about this piece. I, I wish we could have more time to dive into this, but for this morning's sake, we can just look at how His love is so different than our love. Our love, the world's love, will talk about, I love you if you do this. I love you because you did that. I love you when you do this. But God's love is not conditional. It's not based off of what you have done or what you might do. His love is just for you. His love is unconditional. That's hard for us to accept because many of us have not experienced that kind of love. When we get any kind of love, our first reflex or response is, what do they want? What's their angle? Are they setting me up for something? The world may not understand unconditional love, but that's exactly what Jesus has brought to us. Scripture tells us that God demonstrated his love for us, that while you and I were still stuck in sin... He sent his son, and his son died for us and gave himself up for us before we ever turned towards him. There's nothing that you or I can do to diminish God's love for us. And as one person is credited with saying this anonymous quote I love, Christmas means we never have to ask God how much he loves us. If you say, I just don't know if I feel God's love, then you may not be in wonder or in awe of what Christmas is about. Because God is saying to each and every one of us here, I love you so much. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God is coming in the form of a baby at Christmas because he loves you. He really loves you. Could you let God love you this Christmas? It's one thing to know it in your head. It's another thing to feel it and embrace it in your heart. As we close this morning... I want to challenge you to maybe be prepared for Christmas, to to maybe anticipate Christmas in a new way this year and allow wonder to spring up in your heart. Could you allow the, the wonder to grip your heart of God's simple method, the manger scene? We heard it in the story of Abigail and Josh. We heard it in Scripture. But the simplicity of his method of coming to earth, could could you get caught up in that? Could you find wonder in that again? Maybe God could bring simplicity to your life this Christmas. Cleaning out some of the clutter. Focusing in on what is most important. I challenge maybe you could allow the wonder of Christmas to grip your heart, the wonder of God's choice. The choice that he had to use Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and and his choice to have relationship with you. He's God. He could have ruled this world any way he wanted to. He didn't have to set his heart on relationship with you. But friend, Jesus is alive and he is longing to have relationship with you this Christmas. Could we be in awe of his choice 
to use ordinary people like you and me. Or maybe it's being caught and gripped by the wonder of God's love. Maybe for you as you prepare for Christmas, as you begin to wait and think about what could take place, that God may stir up your heart and say, you may not be able to love yourself very much, but I love you deeply. And could you allow Jesus to love you with his unconditional love, maybe for the first time? I want to ask you, friends, would you stand with me as we prepare to close? Boys and girls, look to your mom and dad or the nearest grown-up next to you and say, you did a good job listening. Tell them they did a good job. Way to go. Kids, as we read the story, do you remember what Abigail would say every time that Joshua got sad? Every time that Joshua got sad, she would say, God has a special place for those who feel left out. And for Abigail, that was... Excuse me, for Josh and Abigail, that was to be at the manger scene. Well, I want you to know that God loves you so much that for the moments that you feel left out or your heart feels left out of this thing we call Christmas, God wants to love you with an unconditional love and a method that may seem very simplistic to you, but He has chosen you. May God bless you. May you go in awe and wonder of the Christ child this Christmas. God bless you. You're dismissed.